From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up. And I said from the beginning, we were going to power through. We're not going to let anything stop us until we got the job done. And by God, we did. And here we are. That was uh, Majority Leader Senator Chuck Schumer on Saturday after the Senate approved the administration's nearly $2 trillion so-called COVID relief bill. Now, to paraphrase his New York colleague, Jerry Nadler, I'm not sure God had anything to do with that bill, that approves over $400 billion for abortion. And less than 10% of the funding actually goes to fighting the virus and getting COVID shots into the arms of American citizens. The measure must now go back to the House. Also, in just 47 days, Joe Biden's done more to open the border for illegal immigrants than he has to reopen our schools for our American public school children. That was Kentucky Congressman James Comer on Fox News. Now, recall all the news about a crisis at the southern border over the last 12 months? No, that's because there wasn't one. But now welcome signs have replaced the walls, and there is a crisis. We'll talk about it. All the above with Congressman James Comer, the ranking member on the House Oversight Committee. And each day, day, Americans are waking up to the reality that elections have consequences, whether it is the estimated almost a half trillion, that's with a T, dollars of taxpayer money, your money, that will fund abortion through the COVID-19 relief bill or the the looming assault on religious freedom was once again made evident when the White House fired the general counsel of the EEOC yesterday morning. Why? Well, it appears because President Trump appointed her and her focus was on defending religious freedom in the workplace. We'll talk more about this with Roger Severino, senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center and a former member of the Trump administration. You know, when I read the local paper, which honestly I don't do very much anymore because they're so liberal, but when I do, I always like to look at the comic strips. And Mallard Fillmore was always a favorite of mine, Um, but I won't be seeing it much anymore. After nearly three decades, the left is canceling the comic strip. Why? Well, the creator of Mallard Fillmore, Bruce Tinsley, is here with the answer. All of this, folks, is a reminder that you cannot sit on the sidelines, not if you want to keep this republic and our freedoms. Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs, will be here later with what each and every one of us can and should do as we do our part to preserve our freedoms and defend this republic. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. Again, that's Gab. If you're not on Gab, you can get on Gab. Gab Gab.com. All right. A crisis now brewing again at the southern border and not enough room to, uh, to keep all the people coming across the border. Remember all the talk about keeping these children in uh, these detention centers. And during the debate, Joe Biden said he was going to shut them down immediately. Well, a question was asked recently of the White House press secretary, Ms. Saki, about this. And here's what she had to say. And these HHS facilities, this is one of them you're referring to, we had to expand and open additional facilities because there was not enough space in the existing facilities and if we were to abide by COVID protocols. Blaming it on COVID. This is the new global warming. Everything's blaming, been blamed on, you know, it used to be global warming. You know, all the way down, they had a list of a thousand different things that were uh, the consequences or the side effects of global warming. Now it's, it's uh, the coronavirus. So our facilities are filling up and we have to expand them because of the coronavirus. But that's not the whole truth. The reason we're having to expand capacity is because people are flooding across the border. And members of Congress are speaking out about this. Joining me now to talk more about this, Congressman James Comer. He serves the 1st Congressional District of the Bluegrass State. He is also the ranking member on the House Oversight Committee. Congressman Comer, welcome back to the program. It's great to be back. So you, along with several of your Republican colleagues, have sent a letter to Joe Biden imploring for him to declare a state of emergency on our border. 
That's correct. We've asked him to declare a state of emergency. We've also asked him for a plan, how he's going to deal with this. And thus far, we haven't received anything. Uh, You mentioned very well in the opening that candidate Biden said he was going to close those child detention centers now. Well, now, after just 50 days in office and the president uh, declaring to the world that the border is open again, like it was during the Obama administration, he's been flooded with illegals. Uh, many of them unaccompanied children to the point to where we heard from uh, a, a whistleblower that they are going to ask to expand these child detention centers to house as many as twenty thousand uh, to have as many as twenty thousand beds. So there's a real problem on the border. The the things that Joe Biden said he was going to do uh, and what he's uh, the reality he's faced with are polar opposites, and we want to know. Uh, what he's going to do to uh, mitigate this problem. Now, Congressman, has the administration been forthright with the numbers in terms of how many uh, illegal immigrants are showing up at the border and crossing? They have not. The numbers that uh, we're trying to pry from uh, different sources within ICE is uh, you had, uh, with respect to unaccompanied children, uh, you had, you know, basically down to, virtually none when Trump was president to where after the election in November, when it became apparent that uh, Biden was probably going to be president, uh, the numbers started going up uh, into the low 40s. Then in January, it's in the uh, around 100. And now last last week, we were hearing the numbers are in the, you know, three to, to 350 a day. And that's not counting the adults that are crossing the border. And they mentioned in the press conference that they had to change it because of COVID protocol. What we've understood is they've already relaxed their uh, social distancing limits because they just don't have the space. They've been flooded with so many. So we have tens of thousands of illegals in uh, detention right now along the border, and we can't get an accurate number. We can't get a number of adults, and we sure can't get a number of children because that's what they politicized Trump with was uh, the kids in cages uh, when that picture that was floated around uh, was actually a picture taken during the Obama administration. So Biden's got a crisis at the border, and we're trying to get uh, an answer from the president as to what his plan is moving forward. Congressman, I'm, I'm sure you've been there many times. I've been to the border after the the, the crisis a couple of years ago and the Trump administration uh, changed the rules and, uh, you know, and began enforcing the law and people had to wait outside the United States before they could apply to come in. And, you know, the the uh, the Border Patrol, those on the border, I thought were pretty free flowing in information. There was a lot of information that was in the media. And then, of course, when there was no more story, they moved away from it. But it appears that there is a a strong effort to consolidate uh, information flow from only the White House that we're not hearing very much from those on the border. They're apparently under a, a gag order where they can't talk about this. You're exactly right. If you'll go back to the first 48 hours of the Biden administration, one of the first executive orders he implemented was an order that essentially tied the hands of ICE and uh, uh, prevented them from being able to disclose information like they were during the Trump administration. So uh, all these actions that Biden took on the first day in office to please his liberal base are coming back to haunt Americans to the point to where we have as bad of a border crisis as we we ever had during the eight years of the Obama administration. And that's not taken into factor. The the caravans that are starting to assemble and make their way north from from Central America. So this problem is not going to get any better. And it's something that uh, during a, a pandemic, during a time where we supposedly have uh, high unemployment rate, uh, I think the unemployment rates do a lot to Democrat governors keeping our state shut down. But regardless, we have a high unemployment rate. Well, we've got all these people flowing in to the uh, to the United States illegally, and it's creating a health crisis. It's going to increase the drug crisis. It's going to uh, lead to more human trafficking. And the the president should be leading on this. And unfortunately, he continues to avoid 
any answers as to what his plan is. And a lot of the liberal media is giving him a free pass on this. Uh, Congressman Comer, I want to go back and make sure I heard you correctly and that our listeners heard you correctly, that what is shaping up at our southern border in terms of the crisis, both, I would say, the humanitarian crisis and, as you said, the health crisis, eclipses what occurred during the Obama administration? Well, what what we're hearing is that uh, because of the the messaging that's been sent out, uh, mm-hmm. and you've had all these people that have known that they can't cross the border, uh, they're going to stand a good chance of getting caught during the Trump administration. You have all these people uh, that are making the making a run for the border now, and we have all these unaccompanied children, a huge increase in unaccompanied children that are right. starting to, to cross the border, that uh, it's a bigger problem than at any point uh, that I recall during the Obama administration. Now, those unaccompanied children also uh, can become an issue with human trafficking. We can see exactly. these children coming across the border where they're going to be abused. They're going to be... Uh, I mean, there's a whole host of things that happen as a result of human trafficking, which the Trump administration really uh, clamped down on by securing that southern border. Exactly. And one of the great untold stories of the policies of the left is the damage that it's done to our children. You just look at all the number of cases of abuse and neglect uh, that have increased uh, over the school closures. And now you have a huge spike in the number of unaccompanied children crossing the border that uh, many of whom will end up uh, in the human trafficking trade. And it's just a terrible policy towards children that that we're seeing from from the left. And uh, we've raised awareness of this. The the Republican leaders that you mentioned in the letter, uh, we want the president to clearly define what his objectives are, what his plan is, how he's going to handle this moving forward. And thus far, we haven't heard anything back. Uh, Congressman Comer, I want to quickly go to the coronavirus relief bill um, that is going to be coming back over from the Senate to the House, Senate having to vote on it because it no longer includes the $15 minimum wage. And many in the progressive caucus there in the House aren't happy with it. But do you think it stands a chance of failing in the House, or will the progressives, the far left, go with what uh, the Senate's sending over? Well, the progressives are fuming mad. I'm in Washington right now, and you can see the expression on their faces. But I'm sure that uh, Biden and Pelosi are, as we speak, trying to uh, offer them other pieces of legislation in the future to try to satisfy their uh, socialist side. But I'm afraid at the end of the day, the Democrats will will probably band together and pass this awful COVID bill. Well, with it uh, being nearly $2 trillion, I'm sure they can find something in there for the uh, 100 members of the Progressive uh, Caucus to uh, persuade them, I think we should say. Uh, Congressman James Comer, as always, great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, folks, coming up next, not only is the Biden administration pushing this radical abortion agenda, and you're a part of it, by the way, it's your tax dollars, uh, but there is a full-fledged assault on religious freedom that is looming, made evident yesterday by the firing of the general counsel for the EEOC. Roger Severino is here next to talk about it. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. 
Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the World's Foremost Violator of Religious Freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, Tony, at Tony underscore Perkins. If you're not on Gab, you can get on Gab. Gab Gab.com. The old saying, elections have consequences, is something that Americans are waking up to every morning. Whether it was the coronavirus, the COVID-19 relief bill, nearly $2 trillion, which brings, by the way, the total of spending of the federal government, including the Federal Reserve, which has used uh, uh, its policies to create more money in the economy. We're we're, we're talking north of $9 trillion over the last year. That's unprecedented. This, as I was just mentioning, in this bill that passed over the weekend, we have nearly uh, over $400 billion, billion, which is almost a half trillion dollars that will be going to abortion, promote abortion, Planned Parenthood, other things like that. No Hyde Amendment, no restrictions uh, that would be on that money. This is significant. This is the first time since 1975 that they have jettisoned the bipartisan Hyde Amendment, which restricts money, tax money, going to elective abortions. That's just one example. On Friday, uh, also, the Biden administration uh, firing the general counsel of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, Sharon Gustafson, who had actually been on the program before. Why did they fire her? Well, joining me now to uh, to talk about this is a former member of the Trump administration at the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, Roger Severino. He is now uh, a uh, fellow over at the, uh, well, let me see, I lost my notes here, Roger. Roger, where are you now? Ethics and Public Policy with Ryan Anderson, the new president. It's fantastic. That's right. I'm used to introducing you as the head of the uh, uh, Civil Rights Division at uh, Health and Human Services, which you did an outstanding job. Uh, but you, too, uh, found yourself in the same situation as Sharon 
where the Biden administration asked for your resignation when these are bipartisan positions uh, confirmed for her position for a four year term, uh, which, in fact, she was asked during her confirmation, will you fulfill your whole term? Uh, And that's these commissions are designed in particular the EEOC to be bipartisan. But it looks like the Biden administration is injecting partisanship into these positions. Yeah, Tony, I joined EPPC to continue the fight for religious liberty. And Sharon Gustafson, who's a friend of mine, is being treated so unjustly, being rode out, uh, ridden out on a rail because she stood up for religious freedom in a crucially important independent agency. She's the general counsel of the EEOC. They're the ones who are in charge of all the litigation that touches all the hot button issues that touch on transgender issues and conscience and what pronouns you could use in the workplace. Under President Obama, it was a disaster for religious freedom. Under President Trump, it was the, the light finally shone. Uh, and Sheriff Gustafson was one of those great bright lights. And she's being targeted for no other reason than she stood up for the side of religious freedom. That is quite a shame. This is an independent agency. It's it's uh, puts lie to the Biden promise of unity when he's going after everybody to try to rid of anybody who had stood up for religious freedom, including Sharon Gustafson, including me. I was also uh, supposedly dismissed from an independent federal agency, and I've actually sued the president, Severino versus Biden, because I'm not going to be bullied. My point, my appointment was for a term like Sharon Gustafson. President Trump did not dismiss Obama people who were still in midterm. But President Biden, President Unity, is doing the exact opposite. He's, he's being as divisive as possible, and Sharon should not stand for it. Now, Roger, this, uh, this post of, that you were appointed to is separate from uh, your post at the Health and Human Services. This was at the Council of Administrative Conference of the United States. And when you're, when you're um, approved, nominated, and confirmed for one of these posts for a set term, that's designed to keep the partisan politics out of it because you have a set term to serve. So how is it the president then can be demanding that these individuals that have been approved by Congress for a set a term that they either resign or they're fired? Well, because he doesn't respect the president. He is breaking precedents left and right, of course, betraying his lie of unity, uh, because, as you said, Congress set it for a particular term precisely to grant some independence. In my case, my position is almost exclusively advisory. Give good advice on good government practices. What is President Biden afraid of? Sharon Gustafson's issue, uh, it was designed to be an independent agency. Now, there is some debate, especially among conservative circles, as to whether or not the president should have the authority under the Constitution to be able to appoint anybody that has executive functions. That's a legitimate debate. It needs to be had. The supreme irony here is that President Biden is smashing through precedents, in, in, in essence, adopting the typical conservative view that the president has the authority under the Constitution to do this. That's one that President Trump did not exercise. Again, he did not go roughshod over these precedents. Well, the media would have gone uh, crazy had he done that. Oh, absolutely. It would have been politicization of everything and breaking through like a bull in a china shop. But when President Biden does it, you are nothing but crickets from the media. But that's what we come to expect. Because so in this it, case, it, again, in this case of sharing the issue of religious liberty, yeah, it's yes. because because of religious liberty and her stands that are strong religious freedom in accordance with the law after years of neglect at the EOC, that's why she's being forced out. And I, and when you talk about religious freedom in the workplace, primarily that's driven by the the collision between the whole agenda of the LGBTQ activist and religious freedom. And for some reason, Joe Biden is beholden to them. Well, I think it's pretty obvious. It's a very strong voting block, and they fund a lot of this campaign. Uh, and he's responding to the extreme portions of the left, which is a shame. Yeah. Roger Severino, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, glad that you're over at the EPPC. Thank you very much, Tony. All right. Roger Severino, great American. Coming up next, Mallard Fillmore, the cartoon strip. It's been canceled by the left. Why? Well, the author, Mr. Tinsley, joins us next to tell us why. Don't go away. More Washington Watch coming right after the break. 
The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org/china. Oh man, what's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah. Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org/app and download, or search "Stand Firm" in the App Store. Okay, that's "Stand Firm." Yep, "Stand Firm." How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, the left has no sense of humor. Uh, we've known that. Uh, but th this cancel culture is just, it's gone berserk. I mean, they're canceling everything. In fact, a nearly three-decade-old comic strip, Mallard Fillmore, I'm sure you've seen it, it's being pulled from the Gannett newspapers across the country. Why? Why? What, what, what's wrong with a little humor? Well, let's ask Bruce Tinsley. He's the creator of the comic strip, and he joins us now with answers. Bruce, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate you having me on. So, um, Mallard Fillmore, it's been canceled by the left. Why? Well, why is everybody getting canceled? Um, you know, I don't understand it. Uh, this was over two cartoons, from what I understand, that I did about the Equality Act and about the executive order, Biden's order that preceded it. And um, uh, apparently the executives at Gannett um, thought that it was hurtful. It didn't attack transgender people or in any way, but um, it did support women's rights to uh, compete with only other biological women in sports. And, um, you know, I read your, the article on, on your website today by Mary Beth Waddell about the, the very same thing. And it's just, to me, is a matter of fairness. And um, I, I had a cartoon where Biden was, you know, saying, and I know what the American people want, uh, kill American jobs, drive up the fuel costs and help transgender athletes beat the crap out of uh, female, biological females. And apparently that was enough uh, to do it. But, uh, Mr. Tinsley, America has a long, long track record of political satire in comic strips and that if, if we can't laugh at ourselves and, and use humor in a subtle way, I mean, what's left in terms of dialogue in this country? You know, I don't really know, and I'm not sure what's going on. The climate, the current cancel culture, as everybody says, climate is is really scary. Um, I've always been on the right, but um, I'm, I'm married to a, a liberal woman, wonderful 
brilliant woman, and uh, we've been married for 31 years, and I've worked in newsrooms all my life. And there was a time, and I'm sure you probably remember, when the left, really, even if they were against your position, encouraged debate. And yes. debate and discussion were encouraged in colleges and in the media and all this stuff. And it seems like all of that is suddenly changing in a really frightening way. I just got a phone call at 5 o'clock from a colleague of mine, Gary Varvel, who is an editorial cartoonist for Creative Syndicate, and he said, guess what, Bruce, I'm in your same boat. I just got canceled in 13 newspapers. Well, I beat him. I got canceled in 69 papers altogether in one day. Uh, but it's it's really, you know, it's frightening for the future of our country and the media and just discussion. Bruce, were you surprised when you got the call? Yeah, I was, because it's it's never happened before. And the president of my syndicate, uh, King Features, and my editor both said they'd never seen it before. Because what happened was that I was canceled at the corporate level. They went over the heads of all their local newspaper editors all over the country, uh, from Florida to California to everything in between, and didn't even give their editors or publishers a say. They said, this is, you know, we're, we're canceling Mallard Fulmore immediately. And, you know, like I said, my, the people at my syndicate said it had never happened before in their experience that way. And it seems to be happening more and more. And that's exactly what happened to, uh, to Gary Barbell uh, so, today. So, Bruce, where do you think, I'm sure you had some time to think about this, where do you think this ends? Where does this go? I don't know, because every time I think, you know, well, people are coming to their senses, um, then something else happens again. I mean, you've got uh, Abraham Lincoln and uh, Dianne Feinstein even being taken off of uh, school names or on a list, and now I think they're reconsidering it. Um, out in San Francisco, and what I am seeing, though, in my emails and, and, and on Twitter is a whole lot of people who are really fed up with it, but they don't have a lot of power. They're just average readers and college students and, uh, you know, people, just regular old people like my audience has always been, and all the power seems to be concentrated, you know, in, with these big corporations. Mm-hmm. It is frightening. So will Mallard Fillmore continue elsewhere? Yes, yes. He'll he'll continue, and he's um, he's always available every day on my syndicate's website. If I can plug that, yes. it's MallardFillmore.com. Yes, do. Yeah, Go ahead and plug it. com, and you can see it for free there every day. And it's still going to be in a lot of papers, and I appreciate readers writing their papers who take it out and reading the strip and other conservative material in uh, papers that are still carrying it. We can do that. We absolutely can, and I will encourage folks to uh, to do it. Bruce Tinsley, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us and for not uh, backing up in the face of the cancel culture. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Well, you heard that. You can go to uh, MallardFillmore.com, I think is what he said the website was, and uh, write your local paper if they take it out. Say, hey, where is it? Where is it? Incredible. Folks, we have to be involved. Our republic is not for spectators. It's for participants. Travis Weber is here next, vice president of policy, talking about things you can do to help preserve this republic and our freedoms. Don't go away. We're back with more after this. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. 
For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. I get uh, I get emails and um, notes from folks, and, and one of the things that we, we try to do is to make sure that we give you action items associated with the issues that we bring up, and that's one of the reasons I get the notes. People say, thank you for this. Thank you for pe- putting it in perspective. Uh, and then when I don't, and I just bring the bad news and nothing to do, I also hear from folks, and it's a good reminder, because uh, I'm not here to build your anxiety level. I am here to make you aware of what's happening from a biblical perspective, and, uh, you know, we're not hiding it. And, and as you know, we bring you the newsmakers. So it's not us putting our spin on it. I certainly will give you my thoughts and add a little commentary, but you're hearing from the newsmakers. But we also want to make sure that we give you some clear direction and action steps. And, of course, always top at the list. And this is, not a, this is not a throwaway line. It's legitimate. And it's something that each and every one of us should be engaged in. You know what it is? Uh, I think most of you got it. We need to be praying. We need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying for what is happening. I, I pray every day um, for our nation. Every morning, and, and almost every morning, almost, and I slip sometimes, but I, I pray for the president, regardless of who the president is. Now, I, I pray differently, depending on who the president is. Um, it was a little easier to pray for the last one than this one, but I do pray for this one, that, that uh, as he does what is honoring to God, that God would turn his heart toward that which is good and beneficial to the nation, that the Lord would bless it. And if he doesn't, if he moves in a direction that is counter to truth, that the Lord would bring confusion and and basically just confound this administration. Uh, very candid. That's what I pray. Same with Congress. So we need to be praying because these things are big. You know, just, I don't, we hear so much about the numbers, you know, $1.9 trillion. And as I mentioned, total over the last year, when you consider the Federal Reserve and what they've done to pump into the economy, we're talking over $9 trillion. Somebody's going to have to pay for that. And the 
the reality is what they just approved. Of course, it's got to go back to the House for approval, then it goes on to the president. But a lot of that money is not going to be spent for three, three years, two, three years. I mean, we're, they're just, it's, I don't, I don't understand what they're doing. It's certainly not for immediate relief. Only about 9%, you've heard this from members of the Senate on this program, only about 9% of this $1.9 trillion actually goes to the shots. They're not really vaccines, they're shots. It's like a flu shot. Only 9% to get those shots into people's arms. The rest of it, blue state bailout, payoff for those states that supported Biden uh, and a whole host of other things, including the abortion funding that I mentioned. We cannot tolerate that, and we should do everything we can to stop it. We should oppose it, first in our prayers, but secondly in our actions. And joining me now to talk about those actions that we can take to stop this bad policy is Travis Weber. He's vice president of policy and government affairs here at the Family Research Council. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. All right. So uh, let's start a whole list of things to talk about. But at the beginning of the program, we talked about the fact over the weekend, the Senate approved the uh, relief bill, the one point nine trillion dollar coronavirus relief bill because of some modifications, including eliminating the fifteen dollar mandatory minimum wage. It now has to go back to the House for approval. Uh, Congressman Comer saying that even though the progressives aren't happy, they will vote for it. And then it goes on to the the president. Because this was a part of reconciliation and only required 51 votes in the Senate, very little that could be done to stop this one. This one appears to be on its way to the president for signature after a brief stop in the House. Yeah, Tony, I think that's correct, unfortunately, because this bill is just so bad in a number of ways. I mean, you mentioned the money, where, what the money's doing, where it's going. But, you know, we need to make sure people understand how bad it is on human life. And the bill does not value human life. It promotes abortion. And this is some of the worst, the first time we've seen this kind of break from precedent for some issues, international funding and the Helms Amendment, 47 years. Certainly the worst instance of funding abortion and abortionists since the Obamacare debacle in 2010, um, you know, the bill is bad in a number of ways. We really highlight uh, how bad it is on life. And unfortunately, uh, due to dynamics you mentioned, um, it, it is likely to become law, but people need to make their voices heard because we have members of Congress on the record now due to uh, a lot of votes on amendments and the vote on the bill. We have members on record on, on these issues. And, uh, you know, it's clear they, we're gonna, they're going to have to deal with that in the future. Now, let me ask you this question, because we had some court cases during the Trump administration, kind of flip side of this, where states were uh, not they they wanted to decide where the money went, whether it went for abortion or not. Uh, Those were some in the pipeline back during the Obama administration. But we've actually had some favorable court decisions, if I'm not mistaken, that would allow states to restrict some of this money coming into their states in terms of its application to abortion funding. Is that true? It is true, Tony. You know, specifically, the Title X cases, President Trump had issued a good Title X rule preventing federal dollars from going to facilities co-located with abortion uh, practitioners or uh, and, and, and preventing the money from going to those who are referring for abortion. Um, those cases have not been totally resolved yet. So they're still in the courts. Biden, Biden administration is likely to try to put a hold on them, stop defending them, reissue the rule. But this question of federal and state authority, as at least in the Title X context, is still playing out, it may affect uh, other areas like this bill as well. So could states then kind of take, um, I mean, this might be, obviously it's not uh, universal across the nation, but if you have states where you've got pro-life leaders, and now that we have a majority of the states governed by Republicans, you know, could they not say, um, all right, the money coming through the state uh, whether it's coming through this COVID-19 relief measure, but we're going to restrict those funds. I mean, that's certainly something they could fight for, I would think. Absolutely. And you know, we're see- we've seen this play- playing out. Uh, you know, Texas, um, Idaho t- t- taking certain steps, um, more aggressive steps to try to s- to make sure the funding coming to them does not fund abortion. 
uh, you know, the courts may get involved. These are always challenged by the abortion groups. But right. but the the efforts of the states really matter. This is actually one of the resources we have at our pro-life maps, measuring where states stack up on abortion funding. And there's a statutory, there's a legislative component to this, but also a matter, a matter of executive action that uh, is at play here, very important for people to be aware of. So there's one action step for you folks, is that uh, even though this horrendous bill, $1.9 trillion, and as I mentioned, nearly a half trillion going to fund abortion or being allowed to fund abortion entities, you can uh, appeal to your state leaders to restrict the application of that money that comes into your state. They're going to have to fight for it. It'll be they'll be sued by the abortion industry, but some things are worth fighting for, and this is why the founders established our federalist system, so that we have these fifty states now that can uh, challenge what the federal government does. Let's move on, Travis. Before we run out of time, because there's a, uh, two other really important measures that uh, have gotten some attention over the weekend because uh, Senator Joe Manchin suggesting he's uh, fudging a little bit on whether or not he would support an elimination of the 60-vote uh, threshold for legislators. That's the legislation. That's the, 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 the filibuster that we often hear about. And that's because the left is pushing so hard for H.R. 1, which is a federal takeover of elections, and the Equality Act. Where does that stand? Yeah, Tony, as you're, you're right, he hinted in, in the talk shows yesterday. Um, both of those bills are up, uh, could be up for votes in the Senate. We don't have a day yet on the vote, but um, we, you know, we could see a vote very soon on the Equality Act and H.R. 1 in the Senate. They may do hearings on the Equality Act, but may also have a vote beforehand. So these are key matters we really need folks to weigh in on. They can do that by visiting TonyPerkins.com, the first link, how to take action in Congress and in the states. Click on that. All those uh, links to, to take action, let your senators know these are really bad bills, um, are right there for folks to, uh, to move on. I mean, you, you may think their minds are made up, and they may very well be. They probably are. Uh, but still, I think you should make it as painful as possible for them to vote against their constituents. We actually saw in the House where a Democratic member from Mississippi voted against H.R. 1, joining the Republicans as the only Democrat because of his constituents who weighed in. Yeah, I mean, Tony, it's, it's not uh, a game over. And, and it's, very, it's very important that, that, that uh, members hear from folks, around, folks in their districts and just hear from folks um, who, who at the grassroots level because they look at that what people are concerned about based on the amount of feedback they receive. Um, and this is why we're making sure that our followers have a way to communicate easily. All that's at the Take Action page. We have a number of steps at the federal level that people can weigh in on. Um, you know, there's also the ongoing nominations with Xavier Becerra at, uh, for HHS Secretary, others we have uh, an action step for. Um, and this is to say nothing, all the, the various ways at the state level that uh, people can take action in, in their states. We're tracking uh, some different things out there as well. All right. Just so uh, we don't step over this because we get, um, you know, we, we deal with this each and every day. And I know our daily listeners will, will be familiar with when we say H.R. 1, the federal takeover of elections. But explain to our listeners what H.R. 1 is. Yeah, Tony, in essence, this is a long and complicated bill that really is a major federal power grab over the authority to conduct elections at the state level. It does a number of things, but um, among, among those, those, um, the, the areas it would, it would affect, and areas we're particularly concerned about on matters of free speech, it would really impose burdensome donor disclosure requirements on groups uh, making their voices heard on key policy issues, trying to bring this under the, the authority of the federal government to monitor and really stifle speech in those areas as, an, as a result. So imposing burdensome requirements, uh, donor disclosure, requirements that would also just make it much more onerous to communicate for groups to get the message out quickly because of all the hoops they have to jump through as part of H.R. 1. Um, it, frankly, this one of the things we've noticed, among the many things this would do, setting up redistricting commissions that would include the requirement or allow people to be screened for redistricting commissions based on religious affiliation, among other characteristics. 
So let, 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 me, let, me, let me stop you on that one first, because what, what that refers to is the fact that state legislatures who are elected by the people, after the census is done every 10 years, they redraw the district lines for congressional districts, for state legislative districts. And this would take this out of the hand of the elected people of the state, of the states, and put it into these commissions and they have this very extensive screening of who goes on to these commissions, including probing into their religious affiliation. Is that what you just said? That, that's a fair characterization of this. And it's in essence, you know, hey, the federal government saying, hey, okay, we're going to do add these commissions, allow these commissions, that they're going to be done the way we want them to be done. Well, when you when you do that, according to HR one, you're screening for religious affiliation, and in the hands of liberal progressive activists, that's going to mean screening out certain religious views, conservative religious views, credibly problematic. I, I mean, and I'm only hitting a few points here of the right. problems with HR1. It's massive. It's, it's, it's a massive bill designed to secure the uh, – I'm going to try to – I'm choosing my words very carefully here – the outcome of this election. I'll just put it that way. I'll leave the adjectives off. Uh, but it's seeking to secure the majority that the Democrats have gained by changing the rules, um, manipulating the rules as they were in this last election. It's called For the People Bill. It's more stick it to the people is what I call it. Uh, where can people find out more? Uh, TonyPerkins.com. We've got resources. What do they need to do? Yes, so Tony, they could, as you mentioned, that link has all the resources of what we're talking, the current items, the hot items we're covering now. The, um, the Take Action page has a way to click through to tell your senators oppose H.R. 1. We also have a resource there uh, listed that's also available, frc.org slash H.R. 1, detailing our concerns with the bill that people can share with, with anyone they see fit. Also, and we're just about out of time, but the Equality Act, uh, we've talked about it a lot. It's before the Senate. We also have action items there at the website as well. That's right, Tony. Same link. People click through Take Action on the Equality Act. We have a resource as well for people to understand the Equality Act more if they want to read about that. Right. And we were just talking with the comic strip creator of Mallard Fillmore that his strip was canceled over poking fun at the Equality Act and the president's executive order that would uh, pit female athletes against transgendered athletes. Uh, it, this is, a, this is a, a, a heinous agenda, and it, uh, it must be stopped. We need to be praying, but we need to take action as well. Travis Weber, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Thank you. And folks, I encourage you to go to TonyPerkins.com. Take those action steps. Real simple. We've made it as easy as possible for you. You go there, you click through, and you can send emails to your elected officials. You know, also write letters to the editor. Post things on your social media. Repost these things. We cannot allow them to have a clear pass at, at their attempt to transform America. All right, thanks so much for joining us, folks. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.